Hey, everybody. Welcome to Hollywood Sports Mom. Thanks for being with us. Today is our mostly our Father's Day special. Um, and I am joined live from the state, beautiful state of Washington, by my friend, Brian Suits. Hi, Brian. How are you? Nice to finally uh, be invited on uh, <laughs> the podcast. Hey, come on. We're on like episode eight. You know, I'm, I'm trying here. Um, you know, it's funny because some of the people who I grew up with are always like, I can't believe the people you come in contact with, you know, through your career and through other things. And it made me sort of think of you because when they see this episode, they're going to be like, okay, wait a second. This is, this is even next level. And quickly, I'm just going to brief who you are, Brian, because it's just kind of blows my mind in a lot of ways. You are a war veteran of three conflicts, Kuwait, Bosnia, Iraq. You are a bronze star medal, correct? Oh, yeah. Yes, which means heroic achievement in a military zone, for those who don't know. And you are a Purple Heart recipient, which I I don't have words. I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that was, I always point out to people, you know, I had to actually do stuff for the Bronze Star, for the Purple Heart, you stand there. <laughs> it's actually the easiest one to get. Oh, gosh. Or you drive by and... You know, a car blows up or oh. and then you like a month later, you stand there and you get a medal. So, and then you get oh. free, you get awesome parking throughout your life. Oh, God bless. God bless. Um, you are also, by the way, I just have to say, we were setting up and Drago, our producer, who does everything tech for me because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Um, Drago's there. And all of a sudden, Brian, what did you start saying to Drago? I, I asked, uh, do you speak uh, Serbo-Croat? And he said, uh, yeah, yeah. He said, he said, yeah. And I said, what's, what's up? What's the latest? Yeah, but what did you say? Say it again the way you said it. Dali Gorite Serbsky Hrvatski, then the Kakasi, which means what's up? I mean, literally, what's up? And Chaima. Uh, Drago, what'd you say? Where are you, Drago? Pipe up. Yeah, when when he said that, I, I was just like, yes, I speak Serbian, which, which impressed me beyond all measure. <laughs> See, there's things about Brian I still don't know. Brian, how many languages do you speak? Well, it's funny because I learned German in, in high school, but I never spoke more German than when I went to Bosnia because like half the Bosnians had worked in Germany. Yeah. And and so I wanted to learn Serbo-Croat, but they all wanted to speak English and, <laughs> and, and speak uh, yeah, very little and speak German. And then I was edited with the Russians for a couple of months and I was kind of doing it to learn colloquial Russian. They all wanted to you know, learn colloquial English because they all wanted to come to Los Angeles and join the mob. <laughs> only, only, only half of them did. Great. And so my Russian just sucked. And, and luckily, you know, Slavic languages are very similar, but like a Pole can't go to Sarajevo and break out into, uh, you know, Serbo-Croat, but... <laughs> In order, you know, coffee with milk or something. Okay. You can okay. say, whose dog is that? Okay. Well, it's it's highly impressive. Um, and it was just amazing to hear you bust out just talking to Drago in an entirely different language that I, I didn't know. But um, you're also, obviously, you have a podcast called Dark Secret Place, which has a huge rabid following. <laughs> it is really cool. Um, and speaking of all these conflicts and so forth, you know, you... It's really in an interesting podcast because you'll give your insights and expert opinions on everything, whether stuff's going on in Russia, the Ukraine, you know, Iran and, and so forth. And I know a lot of 
TV networks call you to be their tactical or their war expert. And I have to say that when I lived in LA, Brian, I would be, you know, driving, listening to the radio, and they would sometimes call you on a weekend to have you on the show. And I always knew, oh crap, shit's going down. Like if they're calling Brian suits, that means like Kim Jong-un is acting up or like something big's going down. So uh yeah, that, that, that's where you know, I had said on KFI, if I'm on Monday through Friday, it means something very wrong has happened. <laughs> <laughs> and Bill, Bill Handel needs someone to explain it to him in very small words. And, <laughs> like, like I would. You no, know, and uh, <laughs> yeah, but my my shows Saturday and Sunday were the even though they were Saturday and Sunday shows, they were still the highest rated shows on all of KFI. That's awesome. Um, I mean, high, you know, I, I, more listeners per hour than Handel, you know, on a Tuesday at seven a.m. or eight a.m. And that's that's effectively that's what led me to taking. You know, I, I've been doing podcast it's 2014 a subscription podcast um and, and they were you know they were getting free content i was just getting paid for three hours in the studio so i took the content off mm-hmm. and, and i mean it was like giving myself a five-time yeah. raise yeah i'd done it a couple of years ago honestly mm-hmm. yeah so. totally and uh yeah so check out dark secret place um so- this is what this what led me to moving back up here to Seattle and the, my morning show in Seattle just fell in my lap. I mean, it, yeah. you know, you talk about the plans aligning, you yeah. know, it, it was just great. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So you're on uh, Seattle morning show, 6 to 9 a.m. a.m. 770, 770-K-T-T-H. I did try to convince you to move to the Carolinas, you might remember. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you and wouldn't. There was, a, there was a, you know, series offered there in Charlotte, but, you know, at the end of the day, I hit, um, I've never lived east of the Rockies unless I'm like in your country killing you or something. And and the 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 deal was I didn't have a good enough feeling about the company um, to move me and my daughter there. And, yeah. and you know to the point where you know I'm the one moving three times off to the right. You know I need something more than a, a one year contract. So I yeah stayed here on the west. Coast. Well, I tried. And you're you're a West Coast guy. I know we went through that. We kind of have a West Coast East Coast thing going, which, which is fine. And but, then <laughs> the, the biggest step was getting the hell out of California. Once we tunneled out of California, yeah. you know, it, 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 our our idea was to throw darts at the West Coast, like Idaho, Wyoming. Yeah. And then just sort of out of the blue, a friend said, uh, "Hey, look, you know, I actually my house is empty. You want to move there?" And so here we are. That's great. That's great. And I, I love the pictures you post too. I mean, just the snowy trees and the dogs running. It just looks, it looks like an entirely different world than we lived, Brian, in LA. Um, it looks peaceful and quaint and beautifully scenic. Um, so I'm really happy for you. And I know, um, by the way, another small world thing. I know you're good friends with Kennedy on Fox News. And do you know, I interned for Kennedy when she was at MTV. Oh, oh, I think you mentioned that once. Yeah, her show, Kennedy, is at 4 p.m. on Fox Business, and I do like a weekly hit. Actually, oh. people who've ever seen me on Kennedy know, know this background. Oh. My Venetian blinds. Oh, yeah, and, uh, the plants. Studio, studio, I actually do yeah. it from here. I like it. I like it. Um, and, I mean, I, I've listed all your amazing, impressive accomplishments, but I'm saving the best for last, and that is that you are a single dad to your beautiful daughter, Reagan. Who I think is she in the eighth grade now? Uh, yeah, yeah. So finishing up uh, eighth grade, and and there, there there's been, um, and, you know, there, there's sort of a thing now. It's really cool. 
know, for the seventh and eighth and ninth graders to not identify as one thing or another. Unless Bill Maher talked about this. That yeah. Like, um, you know, 10 years ago, 5% of, of kids and adults identified as, as gay. Now it's like 26% as I don't know what I am. <laughs> and so we're, you know, we're going through that. And, mm -hmm. and so, but she gets offended if I say, okay. 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 Um, and that's fine. And listen, I, I remember, I mean, it's back in our day and it's a different thing, but it's kind of the same. That is the time where you kind of are like figuring out what you are. I remember, and this again is a little different because it was back in the eighties, but when I was in seventh grade, I know I stole my sister's leg razors and I shaved all the sides of my head. You know what I mean? I wanted to be Cindy Lauper. Like I, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh yeah, I have, I have the greatest pictures. I was obsessed and I was just like, that's who I wanna be. I wanna just be different from everyone else. And it's definitely, it's definitely a time of, uh, of exploration and that's as it should be, you know what I yeah, mean? And, and, you know, believe me, after what we've been through, I, I, this is not the hill I'm going to die on. Oh. It's, it's, um, <clears throat> you know, I'm just really glad to have someone excelling in school, living in a town where you can walk out of the school at 2 PM and walk around with your friends and yep. not, you know, there's no threat of being kidnapped or murdered, yep. you know, or whatever. And so it's, you know, we're really, really happy. Yeah. And, and I'm, I mean, you know, they, them. Yep. Uh, whatever. It yep. feels really, really secure. And that's, that's, that's all that know, matters. I'm done is, is, you know, they, they feel secure and safe. And that, you know, that was not happening in LA County. Well, and it's funny because we just taped another episode and the whole focus was safety is everything. You know what I mean? And I, I just hammer home without safety, we don't have anything. We don't have anything. Like it all starts with safety. So what matters is that you're both safe and you're both uh you know you're a team and i love that i love that about you yeah. guys and i i i'm gonna talk more about that like with the whole father's day stuff but i i want to just tell my listeners um how you and i became friends and it was through the power and beauty of social media which sometimes we hate social media and sometimes we love it because i have met incredible, incredible people. Uh, some, a few who were running yesterday in the LA midterms. I mean, you just befriend these people and, and who knows who's going where and so forth. But you and I became friends because I remember, you know, I was fighting our favorite mayor, clown dick, uh, Mayor Eric Garcetti. And uh, some groups came after me telling me, you know, you don't have compassion for the homeless. I said, I'm doing more to help the homeless than Eric Garcetti is. And then you came out of the blue, uh, <laughs> blue check Twitter and started defending me, which I, I uh, really appreciated because when you're taking on those overly educated, zero common sense PhDs who were lecturing me about compassion, um, but not facts, uh, it meant a lot. And then we started texting. We realized we had much more in common. Um, but that's, and, and, that's and what that, I remember. And that's where I think uh, Los Angeles was the epicenter uh, of, of the, well, compassion is a tent in food. And then people like us are saying, well, compassion is not enabling people uh, to shoot fentanyl or to keister it, you know, or whatever. That's like compassion. See, what you're doing is the opposite of compassion. What you're doing is the easy thing that makes you feel good. The hard thing is saying, mm, no tent for you, but I tell you what, I'll take you up to the mountains for four months and give you three hots and a cod as long as you stay clean. Yeah. That's compassion. Yeah. You, you create a human being out of a, a, a husk. Yep. You know, and, and Los Angeles has what, 30,000 husks walking around doing crime on each other. Yeah. I, I monologue. 
You go ahead. Yeah, no, no. Listen, we're we are the same. And and to that point, I'm gonna rehash a, what I think is a pivotal moment in our friendship. And I don't even know if you remember what it was, but um, you and I, you know, kind of bonded over LA and what was happening with the humanitarian crisis happening in front of our face with the homeless and the felons being released and them all ending up on the streets and the crime going up. And then this thing called COVID came about. And, you know, it was new. No one knew what it was. It was about a week before they did even press announcements on it. But, you know, you kind of knew it was brewing. And there were rumors that L.A. was going to go on lockdown. And I remember I was in Hermosa. I was freaking out and I'm because I had a six month old baby at the time. I'm telling my husband, we're leaving. We're leaving L.A. And I'm telling my friends and they're all like, you are so overly dramatic. What are you talking about? And um, I was like, listen, you know, Mayor Clowndick already destroyed L.A. Like, I, I don't see how it's going to get any better. And I had this one stressful, frantic night. I remember I was sitting on my staircase going up to my loft and I didn't text my mom or my dad for advice. I didn't text any of my best friends. I texted you. And I said, if anyone's going to know what it's like to be in a place that you need to get out of, um, it's Brian Suits. And I texted you. And I said, Brian, am I crazy? Like, I, I have the baby. I just don't feel right staying here. And I'm, I'm going to read what you wrote back. Do you remember this? I kind of can't. I know. Okay. You wrote back, Carol, unless you are armed and live out on land like I do, then get out. You have a baby. L.A.'s already destroyed. It's not safe. When this is over, L.A. won't ever be the same. And I replied, thank you so very much. And you said, you're welcome. I'll see you on the other side. And I don't know. There's something about the last line that actually gets me a little choked up. It uh, appears that two and a half years later, you know, we're on the other side. Where are you? Safe and secure. You know, you're healthy and safe and secure. I mean, I. it's funny because I don't, actually didn't archive it, but on January 24th, 2020, I did a, a, a show on KFI where I, where I told people, this is what will happen and this is what it's going to look like in two years. Mm -hmm. I even I even used the phrase. I said, "You will not recognize this place when this is done." I'll see. You'll be fine. I'll see you on the other side. I was lying, you know, to the audience. But, but, um, and it, it was all because in in a weird quirk of of my own historic, um, uh, uh you know, uh, dorkness and autodidactness. For some reason, I I study the history of pandemics because the 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 two most uh, uh, pivotal uh, uh, influences in all of in all of history are are, are things like uh, pandemic mm -hmm. um, and, and war and the the um, the Black Plague, uh, Thirty Years War, and all of this and how societies you know what I knew was unique was that we had never been able to you know Tokyo couldn't talk to Berlin in 1210 mm -hmm. you know and, and and our ability to know in real time what was going on uh and and i knew that you know i was not talking about 1210 i was talking about 1918 and 1919 we have written records right. on the coast of day-to-day -day mortality things like that and and there's a great book called the great influenza by john barry mm -hmm. it was only written in 2017 um, and, and it, it's, it's crazy. It's less than, it's a hundred years after the, the incorrectly named, you know, Spanish flu, but it was eye popping. So when it did happen in LA, I, I just said, oh my God, I know how this is going to go. Mm -hmm. I, you know, there, there's going to be like up here in Seattle, 
you know, that, that flu was, it, it basically washed over in about a three or four week wave. Mm -hmm. San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, LA, Philadelphia, and then it moved on into Cincinnati or whatever, but, but it was bad. But even in the four, four or five weeks in Seattle, the, the mayor said, okay, we got to close churches, got to close schools. We've, we've been through this before, just a couple of decades ago. We know how to do this, but you have to wear masks. And there were people who said, I'm not gonna, you, you're not the boss of me, you know, the whole thing. And in five, you know, we're not talking, you know, two and a half years and now, oh no, Omicron monkeypox. And all mm -hmm. that. They, they just said, hey, look, we know how this works. It it hits us, you die or you don't, you don't shut down schools except for, you know, uh, a few weeks, you don't shut down business. Well, the mayor of LA still got a bomb in his mailbox. Um, mm -hmm. I'm probably the mayor of Seattle. Holy mm -hmm. He still got a bomb in his mailbox and he resigned and said, and, yeah. And he moved to Southern California and founded San Juan Capistrano. Wow. San Clemente. I'm sorry, San Clemente. Oh, wow. And, and, um, so I, I knew. Yeah. Because this is such a soft, soft generation mm -hmm. that we have had everything handed to us. No one said to struggle for anything. I, I knew it would go down like this. I yep. I, people grabbing power. People yep. rejecting power, terrified people ready to just submit to government. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that part is the most alarming to me, I think. And yeah, just to see, I mean, the sheep, the sheep mentality of a lot of a lot of parts of of the COVID pandemic, which I don't even really want to get into. But um, yeah, and I just think you saying those words to me. I'll see you on the other side. I, I remember where I was sitting when I got that text, and. You were kind of the catalyst, the reason why I left. Like I then said to my husband, there's nobody better to get advice from. We are out. And then lo and behold, you know, a month or two later, every person who told me I was being this drama queen was like, Carol, that was the right decision. I was like, yeah. I... <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad there were, you know, you're the only one. There were a lot of people that were like, well, I'm just a few years away from retiring LA Sheriff's Department. I've got eight kids and you and all. And I was telling him, Look, I'm looking for an exit strategy. I, I, you know, I, th th this should be over faster than it, and they're going to make it, but they're going to extend it because no one in elected office has ever had power like they're about to have. Right. Um, and that was the main thing was, was I, I, I sit on the air at KFI, I sit on Twitter, um, the full breadth of emergency public health law has mm -hmm. never, ever been used and they're about to use it. But they, even then they still, believe it or not, they still didn't invoke presidential you know, emergency declarations only because I'm sure they couldn't find the chapter um, on it. And and now, I mean, to this day, I, I you know, I don't know if you ever followed the news in LA, but, you know, the least healthy looking person in California is the health director. Oh my gosh. He's still, now, now they're advising people to wear masks because of monkeypox, because it's something that is, you know, virtually, uh, uh, you know, unpatchable uh, un, un if, if you're not having specifically Gay rape sex or something. Yeah, I, crazy. I I know. I LA is a is a different planet. I'm glad I'm gone. I, I just said on our previous episode um, I dread any time I have to go back um for work is when I usually well, have to go back. Listen, listen to this craziness. The the dipshit governor of the state of Washington, this is the only state where he is still invoking emergency powers. He will not give up emergency power. And he claims it's so that we'll keep getting federal money. It's a lie, absolute lie. I is in love with just waving a wand and Absolutely. saying everyone wear a mask. You know, 
uh, shut down restaurants or whatever. It, it's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, anyway, pivotal pivotal moment. It meant a lot, and it it hey, it changed my life. You know what I mean? I went to San Diego first after I got that advice from you, and then I ended up here, and um, certainly to a much safer and and better place. So I appreciate that advice, but um, so I'm gonna. I'm going to eventually share a story about my parents, but I, um, I want to just talk to you about Father's Day and I want, I know Reagan is super cool. Um, and years ago, she, I mean, so much fun. Like Reagan, remember the video of, um, the homeless guy washing out his ass. Yeah, that one. And yeah, Reagan. Thank you, LA County. We had to miss we had to miss school on a school day at eight AM to see a guy washing his butt out with a courthouse hose. And and I remember um, you know, Reagan is in the video and it's like, you know, I can't believe what I'm seeing. And and you know, everyone's first response, which is humorous on on social media is, Well, how can you let them see this? You know? And, and you and I are like, this is what we see driving around LA. You don't understand. There's there's no protecting anybody from it. It's all over. Yeah, I had people telling me, oh, I should report you to the county. <laughs> the county is why we're here in the parking lot at 8 a.m. watching a guy wash his butt out. With oh, I can't. I can't. Um, anyway, so, um, yeah, I look at you two, you and Reagan, as the dynamic duo and... Um, so tell me how the fatherhood stuff you touched upon a little bit, but I mean, you're amazing. You know, you're a single, single dad and, uh, the teen years are upon us. Any challenges, any, what's the best part? Well, and, and, you know, the reason I'm a single dad and she doesn't have a mom because of, of addiction, we, you know, this, this person was hiding in addiction and had a so-called maintenance habit. And when I was out of the house and I was gone, uh, there was use going on and she was threatening a nine-year-old, you know, not to tell me what was going on. Um, and then uh, when I realized it, what it was, <clears throat> um, she then threatened me, you know, don't try to leave or else I'll stab myself and, and call the sheriff's department, you know, and all this. So it, we were being terrorized and, and, when I finally, you know, meet, moved to, to, you know, one, one day I just had to decide, you know, am I trying to save a marriage or am I trying to save a kid? And I went with save the kid and I called 911 and then had her arrested. Um, and it was, I, I regretted it for five seconds and mm -hmm. it, it, it immediately <clears throat> became the dividing line. It sort of became crossing the Rubicon that, that I needed. I'm trying to save this person who we tried to save over and over and over. Um, and all we got, you know, in return was, was abuse and terror and the whole thing. The, the second that was done, the, the stress level on, on this kid just plummeted and, and she was able to unleash on me everything that had gone on. Then we went through this year and a half of hell with, with the LA County, oh, God. um, where we were being drugged, uh, in and out. Of, of the child court you know, mm -hmm. because of the other person mm -hmm. and at, at the end of the day, you know, I got a piece of paper from LA County superior court that said that, uh, the minor child, uh, is in the full legal and physical custody of the biological father and the mother has zero visitation. Wow. And, uh, so that was sort of the get out of jail free card that I needed because the, the 
divorce is still ongoing. It, it's it's going to it should end up here in July. But like one of the first things I did was leave the second LA County said I could leave. We we left. You know I really don't care about the divorce. Um, all I care about is is keeping the kids safe. And uh, and my instinct was right. Even though we lived way up in the high desert and and you know. We liked it. I liked the freezing cold. I liked making mm -hmm. hot. We liked barn and the 40 chickens. But when it was time to go, it was time to go. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, come back here to home. Well, so like within, it was tough at first because, because it has never had the, the childhood that I did where, right. you know, in the summer you get up at seven and you ride your bike to your friend's house and mm -hmm. maybe your mom and dad call around two and say, is Brian there? And I go, yeah, I'm here. Like, <laughs> here and then, you know, yeah. and, and all that, she, you know, never had that. And so within a few months um, from zero friends to suddenly having three different friend circles yeah, and having different friend circles saying, Hey, hang out with us too. And, and all that. And then, and on top of that, just, just nailing the grades, you know, and, and I'm, I'm so proud of, yeah. um, of, of, and the craziest part about it is, um, I hear from her teachers and and some of the parents of her friends. Mm -hmm. You know, they have to drag out of her um, anything that you know anything that they have no idea what what she's gone through. And, uh, and, and because I have all these friends that are talking about how well, how do you develop grit in a kid? And I tell them, I, you know, I don't know, I, I don't know how to tell you, but mine has it. Mm -hmm. you know, and that that's the takeaway um you, you know there's no victimhood there's no yeah oh, it was me there's no yeah. oh, sorry i got two d's and an f but it's nothing she you know she gets mad if she gets an a minus well and it's like reagan is an old soul in that way like when you say you know like yeah. a grit you know because that's think about our generation or the generations before we certainly you know have a certain level of grittiness and, and toughness to us that we we definitely um, don't see as much today. And you know, and obviously, you know, as a, as a father, as a parent, you know, my inclination is to you know surround her in Kevlar and make sure nothing bad happens. Whole thing, but I I know that that is not going to produce the kid I want. Uh, and so, like on yeah. on on her tenth birthday. Um, we went up to Tehachapi and she did her first hour in a glider. Mm -hmm. um, and that's on, I put that on YouTube and, you know, I was ready, you know, when they strapped in the glider with the pilot behind and it was going to be the first, you know, lesson, first hour lesson. I, I was ready, you know, for the, I don't want to do this. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> she got, you know, tugged into the air, flew around for 45 minutes. And we, we came back a couple weeks later Then a couple weeks later. Wow. And and it just killed me when, when you know, the lighter was flying around. I'm like, please don't crash. Please don't crash. <laughs> I'm like, it can't crash. And, and it didn't. And and uh, and now, you know, and it's on YouTube. Now, you know, her friends drag it out of her. Um, you know, she'll, she said in class once, oh, uh, yeah, I flown the glider. And they're like, what? Yeah, totally. And just random. She brings it up on YouTube. And, you know, I had a GoPro mounted behind her. Oh, and that's cool. And, and stuff like that. And like the first couple times that I was getting texts about, hey, my friends want to hang out, go to Starbucks at two. And, and I'm like, no, I got to pick you up. You know, you're going to get kidnapped. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's such a, it's such a normal thing now that the joke we have when we're on the phone, when she's on the phone, but her friends or I'm on the phone, 
Um, we always say, okay, I love you. Don't get kidnapped or murdered. <laughs> and then that's our, you know, our goodbye. And, it, you know, it's because I, I, I think she's, she's made, um, you know, sort of uh, made it a strength and, you know, and not, not, it's not a crutch. It's uh, what, what the, they learned through this is, uh, you know, there is another side, you get through it, life yeah. is better you know, the whole thing. And yeah. I don't, I don't ever sit there and say, um, you know, yeah, you can have the day off because you're having um, a personal day or whatever. Hey, you know, it's, it's, it's not like that. And so I'm, I'm really, anytime a teacher emails me and says, you know, I just want to say it's been a real pleasure having, uh, having Audie Reagan, you know, in, in class, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I, I just tell them, you know, I'll do, can I pass it on to, you know, to them, or I'd tell them I'm really, really happy mm -hmm. um, because this could have gone really bad. That's right. Um, really, really bad. Yeah. Yeah. And I, 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 yeah, I remember the day you shared that story um, on the radio. You just very frankly told um, your personal scenario. And I, I will tell you too, like I pulled over the car. I'm like, what, like, what, you know, what am I hearing right now? Like yeah. it was, and part of the reason I had to do that on the air was, was to literally cross the Rubicon that, mm -hmm. that I, I, I realized, you know, I've got to tell people this story for two reasons. It'll commit me to what I've done. And then secondly, people out there listening who've gone through what I've gone through, you know, would, would be able to say, oh, okay. You know, so I'm, I knew I wasn't the only one. I just didn't know how to, you know, get in touch with them. Mm -hmm. And and then, then you find out. Mm -hmm. You know, the largest county in the country is L.A. County. Its largest department is DCFS, Department yeah. of Child and Family Services. Yeah. It's not built for yeah. a single death. It's yeah. not. 99% of the abusers and the people in jail are the, are the fathers or the baby, baby daddies. It's just not built for a, a male, for a, a father right. who did what I did and called the sheriff's department on the attic. Yeah. Um, just not built for that. And we, we went through like three or four, uh, you know, insensitive cookie cutter government caseworkers. Um, and then we, we finally got one for the final year and a half who was, you know, every Hollywood cliche of LA County caseworker, you know, she would be, she turned out to be great, mm -hmm. you know, and she absolutely sympathetic. She understood, you know, what a special kid, you know, this was, mm -hmm. and what a unique position this was. And, and she was fair, objective, Good. you know, everything. And, and so it's the worst experience I've, I, I would rather go back to Baghdad mm -hmm. and, you know, for another year, than go through that for, for a day. Um, but it, it, luckily by doing what they said, it, they were fair. You know, even though they were clearly biased against a city bill dad, mm -hmm. um, the, and the caseworker was really mad about that. And she said, I never realized that every counselor, every therapist who gives me advice and all that. And at the end, when I got sole physical and legal custody, he went to her supervisor and she'd been, she'd been doing it for 13 years. And she said, I, I've never seen this. And he said, I haven't either. He said, in LA County, I have not seen a single father get sole physical and legal custody plus no visitation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, it helped that, that her mom was in jail. Yeah. But, but, um, uh, so, it, you know, and I, I never, until it was all done, 
And the kid, you know, finally asked me, you know, I, because they were aware that I, I was hiding the letters right. and the appearances that I didn't have to go to and all that. And, you know, we had a long talk on the drive up here. And I said, you know, my main mission was to not let you know how much they were stressing me out. Um, like all these court dates yeah. and, uh, on school days and nine times out of 10, the other person, um, was in her cell in LA County mm -hmm. downtown and would do a thing called refuse transport. And so we would get there at 80. Right. And no show school mm -hmm. guy washing his butt with a hose out the parking lot. And we would check in, and first time it happened, you know, we're sitting around till 2 p.m., but they call our name, we go in, and the lawyer for the birthing person says, um, uh, she refused transport. And, and I'm like, didn't you know that at 4 a.m.? Yeah, so the whole day, I know. Yeah, yeah so it happened over and over and over, and, and it became a running joke, uh, you know, between the two of us. And, and, you know, and all that's going, and then, then, the new layer, the COVID comes in. Yeah, so now right. we're having to deal with that. And, and so, um, uh, you know, there's a bunch of things I didn't share. Uh, and, and now, now that, you know, they, them, he, she is their team. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because it looks like you say very old soul and, mm -hmm. and, and under, understand what I went through mm -hmm. and, and someday we'll talk, you know, more, more adult about it, but, but, um, I, you know, there's no doubt that there's, Tremendous appreciation, and there, there's, you know, I we're closer than I could ever imagine being mm -hmm. to to another human being after what we've gone through. We're just, of course, of course, I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm, we're just astoundingly close. Yeah, and I, you know, and it's an effort for me to like let go and not come up till five p.m. or six. But I know that every time I do, there's appreciation that I. You know, I let go. Right. Allowed. Yeah, allowed some independence, which, listen, I, my little guy's only turning three, and I'm already crazy about that. So I, oh. I can imagine. And I remember when my sister once said about her, uh, like, 10-year-old son, you know, the little, little neighborhood in North Carolina, I remember her saying, Carol, he's going off driving on his bike with his friends for the first time ever. I mean, I can't, I... Yeah, it's, you know, you love these kids so much that the thought of, oh, my God, I'm letting them go, even if it's just five blocks away, is there's a love like no other. Who's that in the background? Whoa, whoa, we got the whole, we got the whole entourage. This is great. Lucille. They're both L.A. County Rescue. And what? They want to be on air. They're stars. Um, uh, But. And I realized, Ken, the, the way that, that I grew up, um, hey, Lucille. Hi. Um, she's a hybrid Malinois coyote from LA County. Oh, my goodness. Um, see, you can see. Hello. Uh, Hello. Um, but my mom had multiple sclerosis, and she went into a hospital bed by the time I was nine, and my dad had just retired from the FAA. So his 24-7 job was taking care of her. Mm -hmm. And I realized, and my dad at a young age with me and my older brother, he said, look, guys, you know, this is not going to be dad in the football stands, mm -hmm. dad in the swim meet. Oh, yeah. And, you know, this is the way it is. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I didn't realize, you know, what a big deal that was that he, he told us up front, you know, 
uh, I'm not going to be around for everything. You know, you, you're you're going to be out of the house for a long time, and and all that. And, and you know, and and, and I realized it, it it made me later on appreciate how much that was a sacrifice for him. Yeah, uh, and everything, but it made me really really close to him later on in, in yeah. life. Because you realize, yeah, I mean, like you and some other dads and your own dad, like dads have to do what dads have to do to, yeah. to get by. And I mean, you know, luckily the appreciation, you know, there's not like something drawing my attention away. Um, you know, this is just the way I want, uh, you know, I want this kid raised the way that I was, you know, yeah. and, and um, you know, it's not like, you know, other friends of mine that are dads of like my producer has three kids mm -hmm. um and he's a very very religious guy his wife is very religious and they have a traditional family and then they have a big extended family oh and that's great you know that's terrific i don't have a big extended family you know mm -hmm. it's pretty much you know uh her and i against the world and and that's it that's mm -hmm. kind of you know the attitude yeah and i i have one last question about reagan because i am someone who always tries to live up to my promises but the promise may have kind of shifted. I'm very confused. I told you two years ago, because uh, I know you're a diehard Seahawks fan. <laughs> I said, listen, some point I'm going to have you and Reagan come on my red carpet, meet Russell and Sierra. But now things have changed. I know. So, so I don't know what to do now. I mean, does she want to meet one of these new quarterbacks? No, he's dead to me. Oh, so Russell's done. Yeah, Russell. Okay, Reagan will not want to meet Russell. Okay, I'm I'm taking notes. Um, um, I'm trying to think. We're still going to go to Seahawks games. Okay. Well, I'll have to. I'll see. Listen, with the next show, I will see which Seahawks are coming. I'll hit you with the list, and if anyone's intriguing, then I would love to. I would love to have uh, the two of you as my guests because I made that promise pre-COVID, and then of course COVID. Um, yeah. and those shows didn't happen, but it's, it's always on my mind and I greatly admire Reagan and I, I listen, I mean, Brian, you're, you're a brave hero on the battlefield and I thank you for your service. You're a hero dad and, uh, through some ups and downs, which we won't get into, uh, you've been a very, very good friend to me and I appreciate that. And I wanted to thank you for being on today and I wanted to make it a point to wish you one-on-one. -on -one the happiest, happiest Father's Day, because you deserve it. Uh, thank you very much. I'm going to be taken to the Olympia Oyster House. Oh, yay. Be treated to a dozen oysters. and uh, Is Reagan and picking then, up the tab? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. She has a job. I make her, she does all the merch for Dark Ticker Point. Oh, She's good. That's awesome. Good for them. That's awesome. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, and she does, I don't really, I don't do birthdays, and, yeah. you know, and, and, and stuff like that, but you know the the they want to uh be you know show me the appreciation that's great. Uh, and i, I i'm not gonna block i i said oh you don't have to get me anything but you know, <laughs> oysters okay uh, yeah she really wants it so some you know a, a 12 pack of white claw will do it <laughs> we'll give reagan a a big big uh hug for me um, let them know that I, I will work on that Seahawks list. I'll let you know uh, once the show comes around, which is in Phoenix next year, by the way. Um, and thank you again, uh, Brian, for calling in. And your Twitter is at Dark Secret Place, right? Yeah. And one, one word at Dark Secret Place. Yeah. And then you, you can get, you can stream uh, 770 KTTH by just 
telling your smart speaker stream seven seven. You can podcast the morning show, which is very local. Oh, and, cool. uh, and it's a, it's a it's a blast because I'm really smart and I'm really funny. You are. You are. You use words that I don't understand and then you talk languages to to Drago, my producer, that I don't understand <laughs> either. So um you are the best. I hope we get to see each other at some point, despite us being uh physically quite at a distance. Give Reagan a big hug and thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for keeping up the fight. Also, I mean, you and I, I don't, you know, I, I've had people tell me, well, you surrendered, you left it late. Like, I, I'm not stopped there. Yeah. You know, I was there on me too. <laughs> me too. Like you, none of you, all of you who are from there, you don't understand what a crap bowl it is. And it's double hard for those of us that know what, what, crap what looks like. yeah, what the other life is like. Totally. You know, yeah. So, I mean, so anyway, thank you for keeping up uh, the, uh, the struggle and calling uh, these clowns out. Oh, thank you, Brian. That means a lot. Well, we'll talk soon. All the best. Right, Carol. Bye. Anytime. Okay. Thank you so much. Bye, Brian. And big thanks to Brian for being with us today. And clearly, dads, so many dads, not all, but many dads, many dads are heroes. Um, and moms, you know, moms are kind of the day-to-day -day everything. You know, moms, for the most part, in most cases, do the day-to-day -day everything. But I truly believe it's dads good dads that that help mold us into who we become as we sort of heard Brian um, talk about a little bit and want to tell a quick tale about my dad and it involves my mom too. Um, but I was the kid who never wanted to go to college. Um, I hated school. I, I knew I wanted to be a writer. I knew I wanted to be a storyteller. And I you know, failed physics. I failed calculus. I've never used trigonometry ever in my life. So I will debate my teacher, Mr. Londino, on that anytime. Um, <laughs> but, you know, my freshman year of college, I went to UNC Wilmington, which is down at the beach of North Carolina, and they have a big movie studio there. And they did a lot of shows. Um, they did, um, you know, uh, Matlock, which was the first show I ever interned on, uh, Matlock with Andy Griffith. Um, Barbara Streisand and Nick Nolte had just filmed Prince of Tides down there. And Dawson's Creek is known for filming all around Wilmington. It's just a beautiful town. I went to school there because I said, hey, if my, if my folks are insisting I go to school, I'm going to go where I can at least try to get work uh, at a movie studio and try to get some, some experience. So when I was there, I landed an internship on a couple different movies and the staffers would all come into Wilmington from New York and LA. And I befriended a lot of them. They took me under their wing and they were like, listen, Carol, if you have a passion for this, you don't need a college degree. All you need to do is, you know, work your way into the guild and we'll take you under our wing and we just go from movie to movie, from place to place and, and we'll help you do that. But of course, for me, there was one stumbling block and that stumbling block was my mom and my dad who insisted that under any circumstance that I get a college degree. Um, but here's the thing. They weren't as insistent on my brothers getting college degrees. My brothers, you know, both had a passion for firefighting and um, became successful firefighters, as did many of the, the men in my extended family. Um, but it really bugged me because I was an 18-year-old brat. Like, a lot of 18-year-olds are brats. And I kept thinking, this isn't fair. Isn't this even sexist? Like they're insisting me and my sister get college degrees, but they're not all over, you know, my two brothers. That's so unfair. So one night, because I was that brat, 
uh, my mom and I had to go pick up my little brother at like a soccer practice or something. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to catch my mom off guard. We're going to be in the car together and I'm going to force her to explain why I just can't leave and go work into the movie world with all these great people. Um, so I tell her, mom, everyone I'm working with, they're going to take me under their wing. I don't need a college degree to work in movies and film. I mean, movies and TV. And, and that's what they told me. So my mom's got her hands on the wheel, no emotion. And she's like, Carol, you're getting a college degree. So then I go on and on and I reach my breaking point. And I'm like, well, how come, you know, you let the boys become firefighters, but you and dad are all over me and my sister to get a college degree. That's, that's hypocritical. That's sexist. It's unfair. And I go off on my little rant. Well, my mom pulled over that car. And then I was like, oh, shiz. Okay. And she parked that car, you know, back in the old days, the stick was right there by the steering wheel. She parked that car. And she said, your father works his ass off every day in the corporate world, Carol. And he sees and witnesses things he doesn't want to. He sees men cheating on their wives left and right while their wives are at home raising kids. He sees it in the office. He sees it out on the road. And you want to know what else he sees? She said he goes into the office and then sees his secretaries there crying because they're the victim of some of that cheating in their own life. And they're trapped. They're trapped because they're not bringing home the big money or they have kids um, or and they have kids and they don't make enough to pay the bills to leave. And sometimes they don't even know how to pay the bills because they never did. And she said, you and your sister will get college degrees, no ifs, ands or buts, and you will both get work experience. Your dad never wants to see his two girls end up in that scenario. He always wants you and your sister to both have the ability to get up and walk away and leave any relationship or marriage. God forbid that that day should ever come. She shifted that car back out and got back on the road. And I was left speechless. And I mean, my mom basically schooled me on the side of the road that day. And it it was a solid girl, girl empowering parenting moment. And it came courtesy of my dad, um, who, you know, without being vocal about it, was being the best dad ever and looking out for me and my sister. Um, and that message from him came through the strongest woman I know, which is my mom. But that's my dad. And that's the lesson. And now that I'm an adult, and I see the world around me and what happens, that moment on the side of the road when I was around 18, 19 years old means even so much more. And luckily, my sister and I are in happy marriages. So, um, but it, it's something that I've since passed on to all of my goddaughters, of which I have many, and my nieces. And I say, you'll get a degree and you will get work experience. Do not call me and tell me you're engaged and you're settling down before you have your own couple years of work experience because I will show up at your wedding and I will give you the stink eye from that second row and I will make you miserable. So they all know the rule. And again, it all came from my wonderful, wonderful dad who I, I love so much. Um, and I need to say happy Father's Day to my husband who has given me and my son a dream life. Um, and the two words I think of when I think of George are, are fun and our sacrifice. And he sacrificed quite a lot. And you are our everything. 
And I want you to know that on this Father's Day. So for everyone, go hug your dads. If you don't have your dad, you can still talk to him. I believe in that thoroughly. And when you see a great dad out there in the real world, even if he's not your own, just take, maybe he's a stranger, take the time to tell him he's a great dad um, because I think it, it will mean the world. So thanks to all those great dads out there. And thank you for joining us on Hollywood Sports Mom, Father's Day edition. You can find me at hollywoodsportsmom.com and I look forward to seeing you next time. Happy Father's Day. Thank you.